Are you ready to open the door to more romance, fun, and adventure? Or maybe it's compassion, support, and strength you're looking for. Discover real-life stories and a path to overcome the pitfalls every marriage encounters. Welcome to The Extraordinary Marriage. All right, so I welcome my friend Marnie today. And Marnie, how are you? We haven't talked in a while. I know, it's great to be here. Thanks, Connie. I'm doing great. All right, so today we are here to do my podcast. And before, I have done your podcast. And the first thing I'm going to ask you today is, how long have you been married and where did you meet your spouse? Oh my goodness, I love this question, especially right now, because we just celebrated 44 zero years Ooh. right now. Yeah, it's so really <laughs> fun. Yeah, met my spouse at a mega church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I had attended there with a girlfriend who wanted me to just check it out. I was looking for a new church and um, she wanted me to come with, she, we went to a singles event at this church where about 600 single adults in there. Wow. <laughs> I know, That's a lot right? of singles to choose from. <laughs> it was. And uh, I was, I lost my friend Don, where could Don be? And all of these people. And at one point I looked over the top of a racquetball court and there she was. There was Don playing racquetball with my now husband. <laughs> and that's how we met was over the top of a racquetball court. They weren't dating or anything. They were just having fun playing racquetball. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> so did your friend already know him or just met him that day? I have no idea. I don't really recollect that part of the story. All I know was that all I know is that um, neither of us were particularly interested in him at the moment. Uh, I was just looking for her. She she was there. She said, "Oh, morning, this is Dave. Dave, this is morning." Then they went back to playing, and uh, I went on with the evening. And it was later that we started dating. So. Well, you know, Marnie, uh, I've been married 44 years. You've been married 40 years, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, those memories start to get just <laughs> a little distant. Sometimes I joke to my husband and I say, you know, I need a new memory chip. Uh, yeah, right. I know. Can we just trade this on? A, I want to I want to transfer all the data onto the new chip. I just like it to work a little better. Or, you know, a thumb drive, like put some of those things yeah. on a thumb drive so I can make room for the new things. Right. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to get right to it. So whenever we're talking on the extraordinary marriage, you know, we want to put out some of the different things that we've had go on in our lives that um, encourage others. And so I'm going to ask you right off, what do you think makes a marriage work? Hmm. Definitely. Um, I'm just going to say definitely putting Christ first in your life. Um, because so many times um, that gets a little mixed up, right? That it's supposed to be my spouse first, right? Or that, but the problem is that we can only grow and excel in anything, any relationship, in any job, in any project, whatever. We can only grow and excel to the point that we are actually aware of who we are in Christ and how he wants to flow through us uniquely. And when your spouse married you, um, I'm going to talk to girls now, if you're a guy, make opposite, but when your spouse married you, he was thinking that you were just the best thing ever. Right. And mm -hmm. he's so excited to marry you for who you were. What happens in the relationship then is he sees somebody else that's got something else going on than you do. 
And he's like, whoa, do you think you could do that? Do you think you could do this? Do you think Mm. you could be that? Do you think you could be that? And what happens is that we, at least for me, I just would try to morph into more of what he uh, envisioned that I might be. And that's not a good plan. (laughs) It's not going to work long-term, right? You can maybe pull it off short-term, but long-term it's going to cause trouble. So what's more important is that you get with God a uh, spouse comes in and says, do you think you could do this thing that maybe is beyond your capacity for whatever reason? And you go to God and you say, wow, God, do you think I could do that for him? And if it's a no, that the one relationship that you have to get the well done in is the God me relationship. Because when you get the well done from God, God's going to help your spouse as well. And you're going to be able to come back and be the best you you can be. And that's who you actually fell in love with was the best you you were being. And so I think that's to me, keeping that relationship with God really on the straight and narrow is going to keep your marriage on the straight and narrow. Well, Marnie, what I'm kind of hearing as you say that is we come into marriage with a different set of confidence sometimes. And hopefully, I don't know about you, if that's really what you're saying, but it makes me think about for me, um, not that much confidence whenever I first got married and through the years. So ladies, if you're out there and, uh, and you're younger and you're thinking, I don't have great confidence. It's okay. Cause guess what? You can grow your confidence and, uh, and continue that growth personally and in your marriage. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm kind of like you, Marty, I was, uh, raised, um, with, you know, the Holy Bible was the foundation of everything else. And, you know, something that's going on here in the month of December is Christmas. And, you know, so often people uh, forget the real meaning of Christmas. I was teaching voice lessons uh, uh, five, six, seven years ago. And uh, I decided to do some Christmas music. And so, you know, I was pulling out away in the manger, Silent Night, and some of those different songs. And the kids didn't know them. Mm-hmm. They just didn't know the songs. And since I had always sang those songs, I had no idea. A little town of Beth- Bethlehem, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I had no idea that everybody didn't even know what Christmas was really about. Right. Right. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, and, and it is our, like, as the, as the mom and the wife in the home, we have this amazing opportunity to keep weaving that, have it be the foundation, but also keep weaving it through everything that's happening during the holidays. I just love the holiday season. We know, since I mentioned that, what's one of your favorite memories uh, for mm-hmm. your family for Christmas? Oh, there are so many good ones. I think I'm going to go way, way back to when I was a child and my mom, uh, we never had much money. There were four girls, no boys. We never had much money, but my mom was pretty good at watching for, you know, like special deals or um, like we had Barbie dolls and like my, my poor Barbie doll really didn't have very much hair left on her head when I got her, but she was, she was my favorite ever in the whole world. And one Christmas we came down um, from upstairs in our house to find Barbie clothes all over the living room. She had worked for months with little pieces of fabric to sew us little adorable Barbie clothes for all of our Barbies. And I, I remember being overwhelmed. It was just like, it was just like I had gone to heaven. (laughs) And I think, you know, we have this opportunity as a mom 
we have this opportunity to make Christmas a bit magical for our children. It is so um, the thought that Jesus would come to earth and, and give himself up in that way for us is just beyond imagination. And I think that that is the core of what we're trying to communicate with all the running around we're doing. But my heart for you guys, my heart for me is that we would keep the focus on Jesus. And as we find ways to really inspire that moment of wowness into the holidays, that that would be like what he has done for us. And that's, I think that's our motivation should be there instead of trying to impress somebody or, you know, get five stars from somebody. It is to, it is to bring in that awareness of the amazing thing that he's done for us. I like that. I like that. Well, so tell us a little bit about like you have kids, you have grandkids, what you got? Yeah, we got three adult kids homeschooled all the way through and they're now adults and they're all doing great. Um, Our daughter, Karen is married and we have two grandkids who live 20 minutes away from us. So I'm a pretty spoiled mama in that our boys are um, in Utah and Atlanta, but other than that, you know, we get to be by the grandkids, which if I had a druther, that would be my druther. <laughs> well, I'm here in Atlanta, right on the outside of Atlanta. I didn't realize that one of your kids lives here yeah. and you're in Florida, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. St. Petersburg. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking you're in Florida. Well, whenever you think about marriage, um, what do you consider a big challenge or frustration that sometimes couples have and how do you overcome that? Hmm. One for me definitely was setting boundaries. I was not good at that in my marriage. I was really good at it in the business world and uh, other places, but not in my marriage. And so that took a lot of decades uh, to figure that one out. And it's really important that you set uh, clear boundaries. Jesus set boundaries. Um, You know, God, I, I like the boundary, just one of them that God set, you know, the seashore only goes this far and no further, you know, <laughs> and, you know, boundaries are just from the beginning of time, uh, God has set boundaries. And so it's important for us to set boundaries. I say that's hugely important. If you haven't learned how to do that, read the books, um, boundaries in marriage. Um, that one is fantastic. If you already know how to do that one, I want to just tell you that there will come things in your marriage that are like your number one fight spot. Um, it's like in our marriage, it was ridiculous, Connie, but for probably close to two decades, mm. our number one fight was where is the blank? My husband would say to me, Marnie, where's the whatever, whatever it was he was looking for, where is the blank? And I would go into immediate panic zone. Because I need to find that thing right now. And I don't know exactly where it is. And I'm right in the middle of making supper. And oh my goodness. And, you know, I would go into this panic mode. And then because he needed, he thought he needed right then whatever he was asking for. And I thought I needed right then to get it for him. um, We would go into crazy cycle, right? So we've all heard that phrase, the crazy cycle. And this was our number one fight in marriage for so long. I don't know how long. It was well over a decade until Paper Tiger. Uh, Paper Tiger was a system that she promised, and I don't even know if it's out there anymore, but uh, she promised that if you used her system, that you could put your hand on anything within 30 seconds. And I'm like, wow, (laughs) that's amazing. And I'm like one of the most organized people you'll ever meet. And I thought, I wonder if this could work. And she said in her introduction, she said, uh, she goes, she goes, 
the people who need this the most are the most organized people. They have the hardest time finding things. And it's like, how is this possible that the most organized people have the hardest time finding things? But it was true. And when I did her system, which took hours and hours and hours and hours to set up, we never had that fight again, ever, never, never. And you know what I realized? It wasn't because I could find everything in 30 seconds. It was because I went from being intimidated, scared, and pressured to being confident. And mm. you just said earlier, you know, you guys, if you're younger in your marriages, you maybe don't have as much confidence. And even if you're older in your marriages, you maybe don't have as much confidence. But I am telling you that when you get clear and when you get confident, things change. That's that's the beauty of uh, that beauty of boundaries. It's the beauty of where's the blank having a system that works. But it's also the beauty of walking very tightly with Jesus. Because as we are walking tightly with him, knowing that I am doing exactly what I was created to do and that he's going to give me a well done at the end of this day, or if I don't deserve that at the end of this day, I'm going to be asking him for forgiveness and we're going to be right back on track right away. You know, so I think that the confidence piece in marriage is huge. It's huge. It lets you stand. It lets you stand in who you are, do the best you can and call that a day and not worry about what you couldn't do. Well, I have to say to you that that is the first time I've ever heard anybody say like for 20 years, that was their <laughs> biggest fight. And I can't help but think, Marnie, you're like, you were putting that pressure on yourself, don't you think? Oh, it was totally me doing it. And I think what I want to bring up here is some of you are listening and you got stuff like this going on in your life and you don't even know it. You don't know that you're stuck. You don't know that anybody else is doing it a different way. Uh, one of the things I love about living now in the 2020s, it's, I mean, coaching is available and you can have people come in and speak into your life, mm -hmm. some clarity, like you don't, you don't even see that you're having a recurring fight. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's just like, well, I just try so hard to find it for him, you know? Well, and, and I also do that where I, I, I coach using communication skills and how people think, um, act and respond differently. So what I'm yeah. seeing with you and your husband is that, was he actually demanding or this was something that you brought in with you that you felt like you needed to jump when he asked for something? Isn't that a great question, right? Cause there was a little bit of both of that going on, but definitely he got more demanding as I became a more um, trying, right? Um, it's like, it's like, it's the crazy cycle. It's the crazy cycle. It's just crazy. And so I think though, I think what I really love about life about it's one of the huge advantages to being married to the same person for a long time mm -hmm. is that you actually get to grow up a little bit together. And when you come together at first, you're not mature. You're very young. You're as mature as you are, <laughs> mm -hmm. but you actually get to grow up together. And there's so much space for grace. And I, I love, I love that God is gracious. As you were saying, you said something like Marnie, when you were telling me that, <laughs> and as you said that, what came into my mind, Connie was actually the miracle that our biggest marriage fight was something so ridiculously small. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what right? I was thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. And the gift of that, and some of you have really big stuff going on in your marriage, but wherever you are in your marriage, you know, First uh, Corinthians 13 talks about what love is and love is really amazing. Love is patient and kind and 
it, it doesn't quit believing that there's hope for something better. So no matter what you're in and how long you've been in it, there's so much hope in Christ for you, for your marriage. So sometimes it's simply being aware that there is a problem because at first you weren't aware that you did not need to just jump every time he said something. And the more you did it, then the more he expected you to do that. Now, let me ask you, and hopefully this isn't too personal, but it's like in your mom and dad, did your mom jump when your dad said, hey, honey, I need this. Hey, where's that? I don't remember that conversation ever happening in my home. Um, so I don't know about that. My mom, my mom was a very wonderful wife. She tried really hard to, uh, you know, to just keep my dad really, really happy. She, that was her main goal. And I have a sister who's been married for now. I think, uh, I think they're at 44 years or so. And, um, she, she said, she's always says that her and her husband have a, um, they have a contest going on who can spoil the other one more. Ooh, and that's what we like to hear, isn't it? Yeah, right. You know, it, it sounds so ooey gooey, but I, my husband, he is a pleaser. He's a supporter. He's a servant. And um, my mom taught me, my mom and dad taught me to be nice yep. and have good manners. And right. I find one of the biggest things in marriage is to use your manners with each other. <laughs> Often people start to, you know, they're nice mm-hmm. out in public. And then when they go home, mm-hmm. They, uh, they just let their hair down and get all stinky with each other. And to be mm-hmm. honest, you know, it's important to like your spouse, especially yeah. when you've been married this long, right? <laughs> well, hopefully we like and love and cherish and depend on and all those many things. I, when you were talking about that, uh, you and your husband, I was thinking, boy, Dave and I, we are both strong-willed, bullheaded. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we are so stubborn, both of us, and our kids are so stubborn and strong-willed. And so uh, we have one kind of laid back, but the, the rest of us, we're just, you know, we're just like um, in a dogfight all the time. Uh, that's how in our heads go. So there's a lot of work that happens here to actually um, be gentle with one another, to be very um, uh, flexible, uh, to, to not always demand our own way when mm-hmm. we're pretty sure it's the right way. And all that, you know, so, um, you know, but you have, when you have strong leaders, I mean, that's what you have and that's that it's a gift from God. It gets a lot accomplished in the world, but it is, it is harder on the relationships to get to the point where you're just really comfy with each other and all that. Okay. So I'm going to take that a little further because what I'm saying here is (laughs) you are two strong willed people who butt heads and my husband and I, I'm pretty strong willed too. I actually don't really like to be told what to do. I'm not sure if um, I remember seeing pictures when I was a kid and, um, uh, my mom was telling me to do something and I would have my head kind of ducked and I would be kind of looking up, yeah. looking up through. And I, I wasn't very happy about being told what yeah. to do, but I learned <laughs> to listen. But my yeah. husband's really good about not, not doing that with me. But when you have two st- strong willed per- people and somebody out there's got strong willed kids too, mm-hmm. but strong willed people there, you do have that opinion and they are usually leaders and so they are very busy. They have many things going on and uh, they both like to make decisions, yeah. you know, and so you do butt heads. And so sometimes like Marnie, you've done good because sometimes people don't make it whenever absolutely. they're both very strong minded, you know, absolutely. Yeah. One of the best trainings I ever had was 
um, on the different, the three different kinds of men. And there's like 3% of men are strong, strong leaders, like uh, military commanders. And just really, I mean, that is their thing. They have to have people who say, oh, why should I jump? Where should I jump? When should I jump? Should I jump again? You know, <laughs> they need people following them. Strong, strong leaders. I, I married one of those. And then, um, and then we have the second kind of guy who's the idea guy. And there's maybe 12 to 20% of men who are in that. And these guys drive you crazy because they've forever got an idea going on just forever. New ideas, new ideas. And I'm married to that man as well. And then, um, and then you've got, you've got the steady guy who likes to sleep in the same bed and get up and go to the same job. And he's very steady. And my man is actually fairly steady as well. We've only ever in our marriage lived in three houses now, three in 40 years. I mean, he's very steady, but there's lots of that other stuff going on. And so the challenge then is to identify, okay, how do I come alongside and help him be the best him he could be mm -hmm. while not getting lost and, and buried and run over in the, you know, in the process there. And so, yeah, for us, I mean, it's really been, it's really been a ride. The first year was really pretty tough. I think we were both shocked at how strong-willed we both were. And how this was uh -oh. going to, yeah, the first year was not a honeymoon. I think we had our honeymoon much later. <laughs> but you know what I hear with that is that you persevered. Yeah. And so was communication a part of that? Did you both, oh, probably you both communicated loudly and strongly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a very loud person. So I would mostly go cry and, you know, he would, oh. he would explode and I would go cry, you know, so that was not a healthy, healthy situation. But I just encourage you guys, you know, if you will continue to go forward with Jesus and keep the commitment to your spouse, but before God, I, and I've, I've heard so many people who have had um, maybe harder marriages, but have mm -hmm. made it um, even, even to the point where one spouse or the other spouse was unfaithful or things like that. And they've mm -hmm. made it. Um, what they always say is that uh, the commitment to God is what held them together. You have this commitment to each other, but the commitment before God is what is the glue that holds you together. And if you'll just keep going back to God every single time, he will give you wisdom right in the moment of how to go forward. And you'll get better at hearing that. And, and uh, one of my mentors, um, Nancy Missler, she's at home with God now in heaven, but um, she taught me that spiritual maturity has really nothing to do with what's going on. And she was married to such a strong-willed man. He was so, such a leader. I mean, uh, Missler, I'm trying to think of his name right now, Nancy, I know it so well, but I can't think of Chuck, uh, Chuck Missler. And he, he is so, I mean, amazing. He's in blue letter Bible all over. I mean, he's a fantastic preacher and teacher, and he was a huge uh, business leader. But he was like a super commander guy. And when I met her first, she had written a book and she was on one of my uh, expos and I, I met her and I was like, whoa, I think this lady could really understand my life. And she sewed into my life that spiritual maturity has nothing to do with what's going on right now. It has everything to do with how long it takes me to run it to Jesus. And that's prayer, right? It's, it's, yeah, mm -hmm. it's not just me talking to him. It's me listening to him. It's that conversation that's saying, what do you want me to know right now? What do you want me to do right now? I just, I just want some wisdom here. I don't know how to handle this person, this situation, this whatever. And God is so faithful. And so that's, that's where I believe our marriage made it because uh, I spent a lot of time running to Jesus and uh, Jesus is really, I, I always would say all through the years, I would always say, I would always say, um, God, I'm so grateful that you are fighting for this marriage. 
because even more committed than I am, he is. He's more committed to your marriage than you are. And that gave me a lot of comfort. Well, I have taken to prayer uh, uh, for family members who, Mm -hmm. and that went on for years and years and years. And to be honest, it brings you closer to God whenever uh, there's terrible, terrible challenges in life. Um, But you know, you kind of have to find your way around it as you pray. Then you also have to find your team of you know, those people who lift you and encourage you and that you can find joy with, you know, mm-hmm. that's where we call it, like for us, it's girlfriends, right? You can't go find another guy friend because you got to find girlfriends, right? <laughs> um, yeah. To kind of get some support uh, along through there. But, but prayer is a, a very, very big thing there. But uh, strong, strong personalities. And it sounds like his was a little stronger than yours. But you know what? Somebody listening strong. today <laughs> is going, oh, my gosh, that's, yeah. you know, my spouse. But, you know, sometimes somebody's listening and, it, and we realize it's us. You know, yeah, right. um, I will say this. On the strong-minded person, that is... Um, what happens in that is that anger is the top emotion for those folks. And so we take it personal, just like you cried, I would too. Um, And so anger is the top emotion. And that means that that personality style, literally they're so strong. They're so, they're so able. They are so talented, but Anger is what they feel when they're exhausted, when they're stressed, um, when uh, when they are getting mad instead of just processing and thinking whatever about whatever's making them mad. Uh, anger and it just explodes. It's like they can't really control it unless they've learned to control it. And that's where I say, use the pause button. And, you know, that's something that sometimes uh, you, you might need to talk to talk with your spouse about that. And about, you know, it how it feels when that anger explodes all over them. Mm-hmm. And talk about using a pause button. And um, sometimes you could use a funny word like monkey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So if I say monkey, that means things are getting too serious and we need to pause and we need to think about this. Um, yeah. Just one way to overcome that. Because the mm-hmm. folks who are like that, it is like ingrained you know, but sometimes they're good to have around whenever somebody needs to speak up and say something and the rest of us are just holding our tongue and something needs to be said. That is the person who will step out and say whatever needs to be said. So, you know, every, all people have their, their great things and then they have their challenging things. And we just kind of have to figure that out. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I had somebody at church come up to me two weeks ago and said that he'd been in a little tussle with my husband and he said, and I don't know what to do. And I said, well, what we do is we extend grace, just like we hope he will extend grace to us when we're not perfect, just extend grace. And that's really in a marriage. That's really what we need to do is our partner is not going to see things the same way we do all the time. He's not going to process the same way we do. Uh, some of us need more time, less time, more volume, less volume, whatever. Uh, and, you know, just to recognize that God put us together. And God, God is committed to helping us stay together. And so always just running back to him and asking for help there. And I love, I love what you said about girlfriends too. Girlfriends, it's so important to have girlfriends and guys, it's important for them to have men friend, mm-hmm. men friends. But one of the things that I discovered not too terribly long into our marriage was that one of the things that made me the most crazy about Dave was he didn't behave like my girlfriends. 
No, because because <laughs> my girlfriends are so intuitive and they see even before I ask almost they'll notice she needs help or she needs something, you know, and I have three sisters. And so, boy, I grew up in a very intuitive environment where we were all just all about, you know, seeing in advance what the other people needed and taking care of those things. And he was not that he's a hunter, fisher, builder, uh, you know, car repairman. I mean, he's he like macho man and he, he just doesn't have that at all. And so uh, what was so beautiful though, was that I realized I really didn't want to marry a girl in the end. I was happy to have him and that I could Wrong. deal with this. I could have, <laughs> I could deal with this because I could go to girlfriends for those kinds of things. And this is how God set it up. When we go into our marriage thinking that one person is going to satisfy every need that we have emotionally, mm -hmm. friendship wise, and it's just, it's unrealistic. And if they come in expecting that from us, that also is unrealistic. Um, we're all expected to go to God for our serious needs. And sometimes God uses our spouse. Sometimes he uses a friend, a counselor, a pastor, a, a song on the radio. You know, I mean, he uses all kinds of stuff. So whenever you do get married, though, it is that you need to put your spouse as number one. And one of the things I like to say is, now I don't mean past God, right? Right, right? But number one in the household, you know, that the the saying that whenever we leave our father and our mother and we marry our spouse, that is one of the most important things is that mm. number one, everybody has a sign around their neck that says, make me feel important. And your mm -hmm. spouse has that sign that says, make yeah. me feel important. How are you making your spouse feel important? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's important to know those love languages because sometimes Huge. that love language is not a gift. It's not maybe yeah. doing something for somebody but it is, what is their love language? And so it's important to find out your spouse's love language and to know your own love language, because yeah. that contributes a lot. Um, yes. My top love language is time. And so anytime my husband would start getting too busy, because, you know, I would be busy too. We would get too busy. I would start, let's see, uh, uh I would, I would start having a deficit, you know, of, right. I guess, attention or time right. with him or whatever. Right. And, um, um, I'm trying to think what I used to call that my, uh, time-o-meter, my love-o-meter. <laughs> I like to make up words. And, uh, I, I say my, um, my, uh, I, I can't remember now my level meter is, is getting a little low or whatever. I need a little time. I need a little attention. We need yeah. to do something together. We need to do something new. And earlier you said like that, that third type of man where he's satisfied, he's satisfied. He doesn't need much change. He doesn't, he just doesn't need much, but, um, Others of us need a little change. We need a little stepping it up, you know, whether it's going on a trip or, you know, um, just paying attention to each other, but that sign around people's, but around our spouse's neck is, is everything. Cause we all wear that sign around our neck. And I think we talked about, you know, kind of coming back full circle. Then we talked about confidence earlier mm -hmm. and honestly, the more confident that we are in who we are in Christ, the more available we are to help other people feel special and loved because we recognize just how amazingly loved we are. And you can't ever give away something you don't have. If you don't feel loved, you, you're you actually not going to do very well at making others feel loved. And, you know, as you say, confidence, having confidence helps us not pay so much attention to ourselves mm -hmm. and to pay more attention to the other person because we are confident. Now, 
I go in and out of confidence sometimes, Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, uh, high energy, very confident, low energy, no confidence that way. So, well, what, uh, one last thing would you like to share as mm-hmm. you're, you know, we're thinking about Christmas, you're thinking about your 40 years of mm-hmm. marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what else would you like to share? I think one of the things we learned because we are both so strong-willed and opinionated, and I always say, I always say I have an opinion about pretty much everything. Me too. I just don't, I just don't need anybody to hear them all. You know, I mean, it's like, I have them, but I don't need to, I don't need to have it my own way every time or even to voice them all. I bet I have so many opinions. And so what would help us is that um, before, if we could, if we could know in advance that this was going to be a, a tough topic, or if we got going and realized, oh, we're getting in over our heads here, you know, kind of like your monkey, uh, we would just pause and pray. And mm-hmm. uh, what mm-hmm. happens is that when you pray, you recognize that both of you are just standing as sinners at the bottom of a cross where Jesus died to cover all of that with grace, with love, with mercy. And, and then as we would communicate further, we would be communicating on an even playing field where we're both just sinners saved by grace. And it was like, we don't actually go around seeing, seeing ourselves as sinners, but that's where we were. We were sinners and God brought us into this position of, uh, you know, child of the King. And as we would go into our communication that way, we would come in much more humbly, humbly, then when we came in thinking, I have an idea, this is how it should go. And that's your system, right? Kind of. That's kind of what we do. Well, um, today's code word, because I'm going to have a code <laughs> word for um, all the first seven episodes. And Marnie's code word is blessing. Mm. And as you see, she has shared, you know, uh, her true faith and, you know, that takes me back just for a second to Christmas because mm. So many people don't realize what Christmas even is. It's not just buying gifts and, and, uh, you know, being overwhelmed with parties and gatherings and, and shopping, but Christmas began with Jesus and Jesus birth and Christmas is the birth of Christ. And that's why December every year, you know, it, Christmas is a special, special time and it's pure and it's clean and it's, you know, Jesus came to take away our sins. And so Marnie, I want you to share a little bit about your business because you have a special, you know, Christian women speakers business and heaven knows what else you do. I think you do a million things. Well, for sure. And I think, are we giving away, um, a summit pass here today, I think to the holidays, the strategies summit. Oh, yes. If that's what yes, you like, that's, that's what, what I want to do. Yeah. So if you guys, we just had a holiday strategies summit with 12 trainers, all talking about ways to keep Christ in the center of Christmas, but also how to reduce your stress, save time, save money, enjoy your family, kind of work with some of those tricky family members, um, host parties, things like that. And so I want to gift you guys, they're usually $37 for the summit sets. But Connie said I could give you a free gift. And so that's what we're giving away today is access to that whole set. And the trainings are available right now. So just go ahead and wherever the link is for that, go ahead and get that. And then um, what else? I So I host summits, which is uh, are always for women. 
uh, there we have attendees from all over the world, and many of our speakers come from womenspeakers.com, which is a site that God put in my heart to start in 2002. So we're like um, 21 years old, which is crazy. And we have 1,400 speakers over there being booked. Uh, a lot of our speakers live wow. around the world, being booked to travel around the world. And it's just so fun to just sit on the backside of that and watch what God does and how he he actually connects everything and gets all of everything done around the whole world that needs to be done. It's just so amazing to serve him and to work with him. But I love that. I've written 14 books. They're mostly how-to books. Uh, my most recent book might be perfect for someone you know for Christmas, which is Spiritual Growth. This is a safe place to explore your spirituality. And this is for people who have ruled out Jesus for whatever reason, and they don't want anybody to talk to them about Jesus anymore. And this book is for them. It goes through 31 days of just asking simple questions about what are you really looking for in a spiritual guide? And then at the end, it has a, a religion comparison guide that just compares all the different options that they have. And, you know, me, I just know Jesus wins hands down and God can communicate to any seeking heart. And so for those of you who have loved ones who've ruled out Jesus, we've just been seeing amazing things happen with this book as people um, are able to in their own, in the quiet of their own heart, actually be honest about what they're looking for in a God. And Barney, I love, I loved that in your book because I always think, you know, Jesus goes back, you know, 2000 years and uh, many uh, religious organizations have come forward between here and there. And so I loved looking at all the different um, religious, you know, organizations and, and yeah, how they were. So I really enjoyed that in your book. So, all right. So let me tell you, Today, like I said, this is um, actually this is actually this is episode nine. Now that I'm thinking about it, it is episode nine, and you know this is just my second month of doing the podcast, and so I'm kind of getting confused there. But uh, <laughs> so this will air in December. And Marnie, I just thank you so much mm-hmm. since I hooked up with you a couple of years ago. We did a summit together, and we've talked in between, and we've done things. And I just appreciate you so much and respect you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a leader in your field and a great example to many. And I thank you for being with me today. Oh, thanks, Connie. I love you. I love your heart. And I love what God's got you doing in the world. So thanks for having me here. It's fun. Continually growing and giving out to others, right? Thanks, Marnie. If you've been encouraged today, please hit subscribe and help me spread the word by sharing with your friends. You'll find show notes and how you can connect with today's guest at TheExtraordinaryMarriage.com. Get ready to uncover the best kept secrets of happy, healthy marriages and gain the power of understanding how you and your spouse think, act, and respond differently. Learn more about the unique communication secrets for marriage at TheExtraordinaryMarriage.com. This is your host, Connie Durham, and I'll see you next week.